0: Welcome to the Special Forces in World War II podcast, transmitting on this frequency. This broadcast is your dedicated channel for comprehensive intelligence regarding World War II Special Forces operations. Our transmissions encompass in-depth analysis of their strategic maneuvers, cutting-edge equipment, illustrious biographies, and an array of pertinent subjects. The orchestration of these transmissions is executed by the expert team of the Special Forces in World War II website, a squad deeply immersed in the historical theatre. For further insights, visual aids, and captured moments frozen in time, navigate to our virtual headquarters at worldwar 2 softcom Your immersion into the front lines of knowledge awaits. Over and out. Welcome to episode four about Unternehmen Greif. In this episode, we delve into the factual account of Skorzeny's commando unit, Einheit Stielau, and their role in the early phases of Unternehmen Wacht am Rhein. Einheit Stielau was a specialized commando unit comprised of German soldiers fluent in English. These soldiers donned the uniforms of American forces, and their tasks ranged from reconnaissance and sabotage to issuing misleading commands to create chaos among the enemy ranks. While the commando units experienced challenges that resulted in casualties and complications, their efforts played an important role in the initial stages of the Ardennes offensive. Their actions successfully sowed confusion and disrupted enemy movements, and gathered essential intelligence contributing to the overall strategy of the offensive. Join us as we uncover the day-to-day facts about this German Special Forces operation. October 22, 1944, Hitler summons Skorzeny to his headquarters at Rastenburg in East Prussia to discuss the upcoming Ardennes Offensive and Skorzeny's role within it. Hitler perceives this offensive as a pivotal moment. Hitler assigns Skorzeny the task of organizing and instructing a specialized commando unit that would operate in conjunction with the 6th Panzer Armee. This army is slated to lead the northern thrust of the operation, known as Unternehmen Wacht am Rhein. In this meeting, Hitler conveys that Skorzeny's unit would play a crucial part in the offensive. Their mission involves advancing to the forefront and capturing one or more bridges spanning the Meuse River between Liège and Namur. To achieve this, Hitler proposes that his troops don British and American uniforms. He explains that the Allies have inflicted significant damage on the Germans by employing German uniforms in various commando operations. Hitler names a recent report which indicates that the use of German uniforms by an American force has had notably contributed to the capture of the town of Aachen a few days prior. Aachen marked the first German town in the western region to be occupied by the Allied. Hitler envisions that the deployment of detachments dressed in enemy uniforms can create substantial confusion among the Allies. These units can issue false orders, disrupt communication channels, mislead Allied forces and redirect troop movements in erroneous directions. Skorzeny receives an order to complete his preparations no later than December 2, 1944, while coordinating all intricate aspects of his unit and the operation with General Oberst Alfred Jodl. Skorzeny encounters two significant challenges during his operations, the imperative of maintaining absolute secrecy and adhering to the established rules of war. Hitler's insistence on total secrecy prevents Skorzeny from disclosing his forces' actual mission or coordinating with corresponding conventional units until shortly before the offensive commences. Moreover, the decision to use Allied uniforms presents obstacles. This choice deprives Skorzeny's force of the protection— typically afforded to prisoners of war, potentially resulting in their execution as spies if captured. In response, Hitler directs that Skorzeny's commandos wear their German uniforms underneath the American clothing. It is emphasized that they should not engage in combat while wearing Allied uniforms. In essence, the Allied attire is to be removed before any fighting occurred. The understanding is that posing as American soldiers will only violate the laws of war if the German troops fight while maintaining their disguises. October 25, 1944 Just four days after receiving Hitler's directive, Otto Skorzeny presents his plans for the establishment of Panzer Brigade 150 to General Oberst Alfred Jodl. Despite his request for a contingent of 3,300 men, Skorzeny promptly receives approval and comprehensive support for his ambitious undertaking. Skorzeny's mission plan can be summarized as follows. Kampfgruppe Skorzeny is entrusted with the task of infiltrating a designated zone to capture the Meuse River bridges at Anden, Amay and Hui. This objective is pivotal to ensure the unobstructed advancement of the 6th Panzer Army across the Meuse River, while concurrently engaging in unconventional warfare operations to disrupt enemy defenses within the operational area. Kampfgruppe Skorzeny comprises two units Panzer Brigade 150, equipped with American vehicles and equipment, and a commando unit consisting of English speaking German soldiers ideally fluent in American slang, attired in American uniforms and equipped with jeeps. While the operational concept isn't overly intricate, its execution presents challenges. Each of the three battalions, also named Kampfgruppe of Panzer Brigade, 150 closely trails one of the three leading divisions of the 1 SS Panzer Corps as they breach enemy lines and advance through the initial penetration. These battalions shadow the foremost elements of the 1 SS Panzer Division, 12 SS Panzer Division and 12 SS Volksgrenadier Division, progressing westward until reaching the hohen Ridge. There, the Kampfgruppen of Panzer Brigade 150 manoeuvres through or alongside the lead panzer regiments. The three smaller Kampfgruppen, designated as Kampfgruppe X, Kampfgruppe Y and Kampfgruppe Z then advance separately toward the specified bridge objectives also labelled as X, Y and Z. Commando teams in jeeps precede the leading divisions and the three Kampfgruppen to assess local enemy defences. Independent commando units undertake limited acts of sabotage both ahead of and behind the primary force aiming to disrupt enemy communication and sow confusion among defenders. Encounters with resistance are bypassed and reported, prioritizing speed while preserving the Kampfgruppe's limited combat strength for capturing and defending the targeted bridges. Once secured, the bridges are to be held and subsequently transferred to the 1 SS Panzer Corps. Skorzeny's commando teams are then poised to conduct additional acts of sabotage and deep reconnaissance to support the main offensive thrust. This sequence of operations is scheduled to occur no later than the second day of the offensive. The day Skorzeny's plan is presented, the Oberkommando der Wehrmacht issues a directive seeking proficient soldiers with knowledge of the English language and also the American dialect. This directive is disseminated to almost every command post along the Western Front. Selected individuals are dispatched to Skorzeny's headquarters at Friedenthal, located roughly two kilometers away from the concentration camp in Oranienburg. Here, they undergo a linguistic assessment conducted by a board composed of three officers representing the SS, Luftwaffe, and Navy. The officers categorize the men based on their proficiency in American English, classifying them into four distinct groups. 1. Fluent communicators with American slang acumen, ten men. Individuals demonstrating impeccable language skills and an intimate understanding of slang expressions. 2. Fluent communicators without American slang, thirty-forty men troops proficient in speaking English fluently, though lacking extensive knowledge of colloquialisms. 2. Competent speakers, 120 to 150 men, individuals showcasing commendable conversational abilities in American English, though not attaining the fluency levels of the preceding categories. 4. Basic proficiency, Two hundred men, individuals possessing a foundational grasp of English, often acquired through formal education. This meticulous categorization ensures strategic deployment of linguistic talents within the diverse landscape of Unternehmen Greif. While it remains unclear precisely how many men are assigned to the Kommando Einheit, sources suggest that between 150 and 160 men eventually join the unit. It is apparent that these individuals belong to the first three groups. Ten men from the first group are directly dispatched to Grafenwur, Germany, which serves as the heavily guarded headquarters of Panzer Brigade 150 and the Commando Einheit. The remaining selected individuals destined for the Commando Einheit are sent to American prisoner-of-war camps at Küstrin and Limburg and Lahn, both located in Germany. Here, they have the opportunity to interact with American prisoners of war, further enhancing their language skills. Beginning of November 1944 Following their additional language training in the prisoner-of-war camps, the selected men also are sent to Grafenwur for further instruction. The main instructor of this unit is Corvetten-Capitaine, Rittmeister of the Baltic Landwehr, Diplom-Ingenieur-Chemist- Philipp Baron von Baer. Various sources indicate that von Baer is fluent in English, although his accent is deemed too distinctively English for frontline use. However, his role will become significant later in the story. During this period, the unit is referred to as Commando Company von Baer, with the leadership shared between Corvettenkapitän von Baer and an SS officer by the name of Stielau. While the details about the latter are somewhat unclear, SS Obersturmführer Horst Stielau is one of the men cited as the commander. However, there's mention of two additional names, Oberleutnant Lothar Stielau and Ernst Stielau. It's plausible that Ernst and Horst Stielau might refer to the same individual with variations in reporting leading to this discrepancy. Oberleutnant Lothar Stielau is most consistently connected to Stab Solar through multiple sources. Sola is the code name used for Otto Skorzeny. Notably, Lothar Stierlau is recognized for his fluency in French rather than English, rendering him unsuitable for frontline duties in this unit. His proficiency makes him an ideal candidate for leadership within the unit that eventually becomes known as Einheit Stierlau. Coming from diverse branches of the German military, only a few of the selected men possess prior experience in undercover operations or sabotage. Due to the limited time frame, they receive condensed training in demolition and radio skills. The initial phase of training revolves around perfecting their portrayal of authentic American GIs. The members of the Einheit Stierlau meticulously refine their English-speaking abilities, concentrating on mastering American soldier jargon and colloquialisms. They immerse themselves in American weaponry, equipment, literature, and films. Integral to their preparation is the meticulous rehearsal of their assumed American identities, along with intensive training in driving and operating American jeeps. Radio operators undergo specialized instruction in effectively using their radio sets. For those lacking combat skills, crash courses cover close-quarters combat, sabotage tactics, reconnaissance techniques, handling plastic explosives, and proficient use of newly acquired silenced machine pistols. At Grafenvoer, the men are organized into 24 off-clearings commandos, reconnaissance teams, eight Funk Commandos, Radio Reconnaissance Teams, and seven Pioneer Commandos, Pioneer Demolition Teams. Each team specializes in distinct tasks. Off-Clearings Commandos, comprising three to four members, these teams work closely with the attacking leading divisions and the Kampfgruppe of the Panzer Brigade 150. They engage in reconnaissance roles, disrupting enemy leadership by cutting telephone wires, damaging radio stations and issuing false commands. Funk Commandos. Consisting of three to four members, these units are tasked with reconnaissance both to the east and west of the Meuse River to monitor enemy tank, artillery and unit movements. They are equipped with radios to transmit information about these movements. Like other teams, they also give false commands, alter road signs, remove minefield indicators, and mark streets with white stripes to simulate blocked roads. Pioneer Commandos. Comprising five to six members, these teams are responsible for demolishing bridges, munition dumps, and gasoline storage facilities. Within each team, specific roles are assigned to ensure the seamless execution of their mission. These roles include Team Commander, driver, saboteur or radio operator, and the crucial interpreter. The interpreter, being the sole member fluent in flawless English and American slang, holds a pivotal position. Team members meticulously adopt a diverse array of unit types and ranks, including roles as high-ranking as an American colonel. Each participant is assigned a specific American identity to embody, with a strong focus on On their connection to the U.S. 5th Armored Division. This comprehensive approach ensures their effective integration into the facade of the American military landscape, heightening the authenticity of their covert operations. Each team employs Jeeps for transportation and is outfitted in American uniforms and equipment. Four commando teams are assigned to each Kampfgruppe of Panzer Brigade 150, two off-clearance commando teams one funk commando team and one pioneer commando team additionally one off clearing's commando is assigned to each of the three leading divisions the remaining teams are designated for specific tasks within the operation beginning of december the first shipment of us weaponry and uniforms reaches graffenweur accompanied by a convoy of 30 jeeps bearing random insignias the true objective of the groups becomes apparent Surprisingly, not a single objection is raised against this mission. December 4, 1944, a significant concern emerges regarding the potential reinforcement posed by substantial American forces positioned north of the 6th Panzer Army, General Feldmarschall Model, in command of Heroes Gruppen B and overseeing the offensive operations, devises an additional special operation to counter this threat. Model proposes deploying an airborne force behind American lines in the crinkled Rocherath region of Belgium. The objective is to hinder enemy movements to the south, thereby securing the northern flank of the 6th Panzer Army. This strategic move aims to prevent any potential advances by American forces that could challenge the success of the offensive. Hitler later changes the drop zone to the Hoesvenen area. This operation will become known as Unternehmen Stosse. December 5th, 1944. Panzer Brigade 150 departs from its camp at Grafenwur and begins its journey to Monschau-Eifel, Germany, the starting point for Unternehmen Greif. To maintain secrecy and minimize the risk of aerial attacks, the unit travels under the cover of darkness. December 8, 1944, Einheit. Stilau also leaves Grafenwur and starts moving towards Monschau Eiffel. Like the Panzer Brigade, they choose to travel during the night. December 12, 1944. During the late evening, the members of Einheit Stilau start arriving in Monschau Eiffel. The group establishes a camp in tents and nearby houses about one kilometer outside the town. During this time, additional U.S. attire and official documents, including driver's licenses and paybooks, are distributed. December 14, 1944. A convoy of 29 Jeeps, each carrying a squad of four men, sets out towards Hallschlag and Stadtkill in Germany, where Stabsola is stationed at that moment. One team misses the departure. The entire contingent wears American uniforms and is armed with US weaponry. However, as a security measure, they are instructed to wear Fallschirmjäger jump jackets while operating within German territory. After traveling under the cover of darkness, Panzer Brigade 150 also arrives at their designated assembly area near Monschau Eifel. Skorzeny learns that operations will commence on December 16, 1944. During these days, Skorzeny uses the time to train his troops rigorously and coordinate their movements in accordance with the attack plans. Moreover, each of the three Kampfgruppen of Panzer Brigade 150 is joined by two off-clearings commandos, one commando and one Pioneer Commando from Einheit Stierlau. December 15, 1944 The team that had missed the initial departure manages to catch up with Einheit Stierlau, after which the operational teams start moving towards their designated positions for Greif. Three off-clearance commando teams head to the starting lines of the 1 SS Panzer Division, 12 SS Panzer Division, and 12 Volksgrenadier Division. The remaining unassigned teams of the unit travel to Lossheim, Germany, where Einheit Stierlau establishes their headquarters. Later that day, Skorzeny sets up his command post in close proximity to the headquarters of the 1 SS Panzer Corps at Schmidtheim, Germany. December sixteenth, nineteen forty-four. Start of Unternehmen Greif. At five o'clock on the early morning of Saturday, Unternehmen Wacht am Rhein begins with a significant artillery bombardment. Four Funk Commando teams and two Pioneer Commando teams of Einheit Stierlau immediately move behind enemy lines. Additionally, one group of commando advances ahead of each of the leading assault divisions the 1 SS Panzer Division, the 12 SS Panzer Division, and the 12 Volksgrenadier Division. With these movements, Skorzeny initiates one part of Unternehmen Greif. Two primary methods are employed to infiltrate behind enemy lines. The first approach involves a jeep team closely trailing an advancing armored unit. As this unit engages American forces or breaches their lines, the jeep team diverts from the main road, navigating secondary roads and paths. This maneuver enables them to position themselves behind, withdrawing or defending American troops. The second technique is even more direct. The Jeep team navigates through densely wooded areas using small trails or gaps in the American defenses until they successfully infiltrate behind enemy lines. Subsequently, they transition to established roads to carry out their assigned tasks. As the teams move behind enemy lines around 7 o'clock in the morning, initial reports start arriving. Unfortunately, These reports are not optimistic. The enemy positions at Losheimer Graben seem to have weathered the artillery barrage, while the American defenders exhibit notable resilience, impeding or even halting the forward movement of the German forces. The pace of advancement by the leading divisions proves sluggish, and as midday approaches, the situation reports continue to depict fierce clashes with minimal notable progress in territorial acquisition. The concern of a complete frontline collapse in the face of the initial assault remains unfulfilled. Recognizing a delay of several hours, Skorzeny, positioned at his headquarters in Schmidtheim, Germany, questions the viability of the planned surprise maneuvers by his troops. To better understand the situation, he sets out in his Kubelwagen towards Losheim, Germany. He observes congested roads filled with various vehicles and notes officers walking beside their cars to manage traffic. Skorzeny himself walks around 10 kilometers before reaching Losheim. Faced with a critical decision, achieving the day's objectives seems increasingly uncertain. The logical course of action would be to terminate Unternehmen Greif. However, Skorzeny entertains the idea of potential success if the armoured divisions are activated during the night, potentially breaking through at the hohe Venn crossroads. The prospect of Panzer Brigade 150 reaching the Meuse River and securing the bridges remains. From his commando unit, Einheit Stielau, Skorzeny selects three teams. He sends them in a southern direction with specific instructions to identify a vulnerable point in the enemy's front line and maneuver through it skillfully. Stressing the importance of thorough reconnaissance, he highlights the three designated roads that the three Kampfgruppen are scheduled to use for their approach. The actions of the teams of Einheit Stierlau during this phase of the operation are not extensively documented, and following portraits have been constructed based on information from various sources. Funk Commando of Leutnant Colonia Leutnant Colonia and Feldwebel Heinz Roder, the latter operating under the alias Sergeant Morris Woodall, are assigned to infiltrate behind the 12 SS Panzer Division. As they move behind enemy lines, they closely follow an advancing panzer group as the Panzer Group suddenly halts after only just 50 metres, signalling that they have entered no man's land. Colonia and Rhoda swiftly remove their Jager smocks while the jeep is still in motion. The driver manages to remove his gear in a remarkable acrobatic manoeuvre, all the while the jeep's accelerator is kicked frantically and the co-driver struggles with the wheel to navigate around obstacles. They encounter a burning American truck a result of the nearby Panzer Group. Soon after, they find themselves facing an American infantry group setting up an anti-tank gun directly in their path. Through quick reflexes, they manage to escape unharmed, albeit covered in mud. Passing a military police officer stationed on the road, they are directed to a side road while suppressing enemy fire on the main route. Continuing their journey, they eventually reach the Meuse River in their jeep. Successfully infiltrating the shattered front lines, they arrive at the Meuse River near High. There, they position themselves near a road junction, covertly observing the enemy's activities. Leveraging Colonia's excellent English-speaking skills, he walks down the road to personally assess the situation. After a few hours, an unsuspecting tank regiment passes by, and its commander approaches Colonia for information. He provides the commander with misleading details, effectively deceiving him and further muddling the enemy's understanding of the situation. On their return journey, the team cuts a recently laid telephone cable and removes signposts intended for American supply units. After 24 hours, they successfully make their way back to the German lines near the 5 Panzer Army. There, they provide a first-hand account of the mission's achievements Along with a detailed description of the chaos and confusion prevalent behind the American front lines on the operation's initial day. Subsequently, they return to Einheit Stilau's headquarters in Lossheim, Germany. Commando, led by Fritz Bussinger. This team achieves a remarkable feat by infiltrating more than 160 kilometers behind enemy lines. By tailing a retreating American convoy and skillfully navigating through multiple checkpoints, they managed to enter Hui, Belgium, on the evening of December 16, 1944. In Hui, they successfully conduct reconnaissance of a crucial bridge over the Meuse River, a primary objective for both Panzer Brigade 150 and the 1 SS Panzer Corps. The team conducts both mounted and dismounted reconnaissance of the area, discovering that the bridge is guarded by only a small sentry detachment. They transmit this critical information back to the Stierlau command post near Lossheim, Germany. During their time in Hui, team leader Fritz Bussinger has an encounter with the leader of an American armoured column. When asked for directions to the town of Marsh, Bussinger informs the American leader that German forces have control over several roads in that vicinity, purposefully leading the convoy astray in the wrong direction. Throughout the night and into the following day, December 17, 1944, the team maintains vigilant surveillance of the bridge. As American searchlights begin sweeping the riverbanks, the team becomes concerned about potential exposure and requests permission to exfiltrate. Once they receive the green light to withdraw from the Stielau headquarters that same day, the team deftly manoeuvres through the columns of retreating American vehicles. Along their route, they strategically disrupt telephone cables and remove unit signposts. Upon safely returning, the team members debrief at the headquarters of the five, Panzer Army, providing a comprehensive report that includes information about enemy positions, convoy movements, artillery emplacements, and the location of an ammunition depot near Hui. commando, led by Wilhelm Giel This team successfully infiltrates the vicinity of Liège, Belgium, home to another critical bridge target over the Meuse River. The team observes that the Allies have not implemented any special security measures at the Meuse River Bridge. They also provide a detailed report on the overall situation around Liège. Notably, they observe American forces moving from Liège toward the battle area and indicate that the Americans appear to have evacuated their airfields east of the Meuse River. Additionally, the team discovers a sizable ammunition depot near Liège. By donning military police insignia, team leader Wilhelm Giel leads an American infantry regiment of the 84th Infantry Division astray, causing a delay in its arrival at the battle zone. This account is substantiated by American sources, which confirm that the regiment's movement was indeed disrupted. Upon their return to German lines, the team engages in various acts of sabotage, in addition to gathering valuable intelligence about enemy movements and defenses. They lay mines, obstruct roads with fallen trees, and set up mock minefield markers to hinder the movement of American reinforcements. These actions are aimed at slowing down and disrupting the American response. Pioneer Commando led by Leutnant Kohler The Pioneer Commando team of Leutnant Kohler and Oberleutnant Wolfgang Schmidhuber engages in significant sabotage activities. This team reportedly discovers an ammunition depot and successfully detonates a substantial portion of it on the evening of December 16, 1944. Additionally, they strategically sever a major telephone cable at multiple points. This cable is believed to have connected the American 1st Army headquarters in Spa, Belgium, with the 12th Army Group in Namur. Its disruption causes a significant communications gap between General Hodges and General Bradley during a crucial phase of the initial battle. There are indications that this team also plays a direct role in supporting the advance of Kampfgruppe Piper. On the evening of December 17, 1944, elements of the 5th Belgian Fusiliers Battalion and the American 291st Engineer Battalion observe unusual American soldiers near the Stavelot Bridge in Belgium, preparing to destroy it. Although engineers from the American 202nd Engineer Battalion are indeed responsible for rigging the bridge for demolition, they are accompanied by numerous stragglers. Suspicious soldiers near the bridge are noticed by Belgian observers, but not confronted. It is a documented fact that when Piper's tanks later approached the bridge on the morning of December 18, 1944, the explosive charges failed to detonate as intended during the American attempt to destroy the Span. This successful intervention allows Piper's forces to swiftly capture Stavelot and maintain their westward progress. It is also known this team takes two American prisoners of war which they try to bring back to the German lines. However, the team's luck takes a turn for the worse on their return journey. On December 18, 1944, they approach a roadblock manned by two American military policemen from Company B. The jeep, with the four disguised German soldiers inside and two American prisoners of war on the hood, appears like a normal group of American soldiers. However, when seeing the inscription one hundred six of the one hundred sixth Infantry Division, the American military policemen recognize it as a fake vehicle. Chaos erupts when Schmidhuber says something to the military policeman. Schmidhuber, known for his poor English, was ordered during the mission's briefing to say nothing. He opening his mouth leads the Americans to order him to raise his hands. The situation escalates, resulting in the military policeman opening fire. One of the captured Americans on the hood jumps off and shouts that the men inside the jeep are Germans. The other soldier also jumps off the hood and starts running for a safe place. This causes the Germans to open fire on the fleeing men and the American military policemen. Both policemen are killed in the event. A machine gun at the roadblock starts firing at the jeep. Schmidhuber is hit during the shooting. It is not entirely clear whether Schmidhuber is immediately dead or injured. According to data from the Deutsche Dienststelle, Wolfgang Schmidhuber dies on December 21, 1944, at 3.14 in the morning, east of Malmady. That suggests that he died three days after the shooting. According to Skorzeny, the remaining three Germans manage to link up with Kampfgruppe Piper, and on Christmas Eve they succeed in crossing the main German lines at Varne, east of Salm. Off Clearings Commando at Poteau. Another documented story is about one of the Off Clearings Commando teams arriving at a village, most likely Poteau, situated southwest of Ligneville, on the first day of. Untenhamen greif In this village, two American companies are actively organizing their defenses, establishing roadblocks, and setting up machine-gun nests. The German team members receive quite a shock when an American officer asks them about the situation at the front. The German team leader, wearing the uniform of an American sergeant, tells the American officer that the Germans have passed through the village on both sides, effectively isolating it. The American officer appears to believe the story and subsequently orders a withdrawal. Fortunately for the team, the American officer only dispatches a scouting detachment to show them the open road leading westward. This fortunate turn of events allows the team to make their way back safely to Losheim. Redirection Operation Another team successfully alters the course of an American infantry regiment's movement towards the front lines. This team, disguised as American military police at the Monrigi Road Junction along the N-27 highway from Liège, manipulates road signs and directs traffic incorrectly for several hours on December 17, 1944. During this incident, the 16th Infantry Regiment of the 1st Infantry Division, en route to reinforce the Southern Front, is led off course to Malmedy instead of its intended destination of Wames. Consequently, the regiment experiences a delay in reaching its designated defensive positions for that day. The redirection is discovered when genuine American MPs arrive to address the confusion, ultimately identifying the commando team at the road junction. The German commandos swiftly retreat as their jeep speeds away from the scene. Remarkably, it is reported that one of the commandos is still positioned on the jeep's front bumper, Off clearings commando of Baron von Baer. The activities of the Off clearings commando team led by Baron von Baer during the opening days of Einheit, Stierlau, remain less documented compared to some of the other teams. Baron von Baer is the co-commander of the unit. It is mentioned by the Germans that this team's contributions appear to be minimal in comparison to their counterparts however one notable incident involving von Baer's team is their unintentional entry into the town of Malmedy on December 17th 1944 in this encounter von Baer's team enters Malmedy but it seems to have been accidental due to disorientation during their presence in the town von Baer observes that there are no significant defensive preparations in place, and that the town is mainly occupied by service units. The team then leaves town to return wearing German uniforms the next day. This information about the lack of strong defences and the presence of service units in Malmedy is reported to Skorzeny, which leads to his decision to launch an attack on Malmedy. Von Baer's subsequent oral report to Skorzeny on December 19, 1944, after the team successfully returned to German lines, had significant consequences for the fate of Panzer Brigade 150. This suggests that despite their accidental entry into Malmedy and the limited documentation about their activities, von Baer's team plays a role in providing crucial information that influences Skorzeny's strategic decisions. Gasoline Storage Facility An unidentified commando team of Einheit Stierlau discovers a gasoline storage facility, the details of which are communicated to the one SS Panzer Corps headquarters by Skorzeny, suggesting its potential use by the German armoured units. While Kampfgruppe Piper indeed, replenishes their fuel supply from an American fuel depot captured in Bullingen on December 17th, 1944, it cannot be definitively confirmed that this specific depot is the same one that the aforementioned commando team reportedly located. As we conclude episode 4 of Unternehmen Greif, we have gained valuable insights into the audacious efforts of Otto Skorzeny's commando unit, Einheit Stierlau, and their crucial role in the early stages of Unternehmen Wacht am Rhein. The risks, the planning, and the commitment of these soldiers have left an indelible mark on World War II history. In the next episode, we will shift our focus to the aftermath of the Ardennes offensive and its repercussions for Skorzeny and his commando unit. Join us as we explore the aftermath of the operation, the trials faced by the members of Einheit Stielau and the end of the unit. Stay tuned for another gripping chapter as the story continues in the last episode about Unternehmann Greif on the Special Forces in World War II podcast. And that concludes this mission briefing, fellow warriors of knowledge. We've navigated through the trenches of information, delving deep into the battlefields of history. As we wrap up this episode in our campaign for understanding, remember that knowledge is your most potent weapon. Stay vigilant and keep sharpening your intellectual arsenal. We'll rendezvous again for another episode, continuing our relentless pursuit of Enlightenment. Until then, keep your mind sharp, your curiosity burning, and your determination unwavering. Simultaneously, you are hereby alerted to our outposts on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, fortifying our information dissemination. Should you possess any pertinent intelligence to bolster our mission, transmit your findings with no hesitation. Your contributions shall be prominently acknowledged within the operational archives. Furthermore, for those prepared to provide substantial reinforcement, navigate to our Patreon forward base and enlist. Your support is integral to sustaining our forward thrust. Carry forth the legacy. Dismissed.